0: This is Wayne. This is
1: Tim. And I'm Andrew. Woo! Woo!
0: The whole game is well, excited.
2: I know for like the last time and uh, for, for how many months, Andrew? I like two weeks. Oh, and how much could this be the last time for uh, two and a half months, three okay. months, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cause, uh, another, yeah. Another another semester of Nose to the Grindstone. We're, we're right sending Andrew out on special assignment. So. Are you? Yes. Yes. Is it better than what I'm doing now?
3: Special assignment. He's he's going to be embedded in Afghanistan, finding out uh, you know what the comics uh, you know community is like there.
4: That sounds like a horrible assignment. <laughs> <change.
0: laughs>
4: <laughs> I thought we were have him go underground to recruit for Chicas Locas next season. Chicas Locas
2: for the spring menu.
4: That's right. That's right. That doesn't
2: sound like anything I could comment on even if I was doing it. <laughs>
3: Well, you know he's gonna be he's gonna be undercover, you know, in Afghanistan, embedded with a group of Afghani comic book writers.
2: <laughs> I think maybe I'll just stay where I am and just keep going to school. Maybe. maybe. No, 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 no.
3: You've always said that you would die for your passion. You know. Did I? What was this? We're going to hold you to that because imagine how much our ratings will pop when you know comic book podcaster Andrew shot dead in Afghanistan.
2: When, 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 when did I ever say that I would die for my passion? You have recording. You have audio evidence
0: of this. I,
3: I'm sure I've got. I'm sure I have clipped that together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andrew, we've all got Audible. You've said whatever we want you to say.
2: <laughs> no. No, I don't. I don't use the word passion very often, except for then. God. Uh, uh, last piece of the puzzle done <laughs> 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 Well Andrew
4: start growing your beard out now And sign all of those things that I sent you Because they'll be worth money soon
2: Absolutely. Can you hear this one that says power of attorney here on it <laughs> Yes okay. Especially on that one.
1: <laughs> A sucker said <like>, what <laughs> What There you go <laughs>
3: So uh Paul Yes sir You like less than you know Six days you know, from hopping on a plane and coming to Texas to Paul uh, McGeady, uh, it's like a
4: WWE event.
3: Paul McGeady coming to Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Two go in, one come out, and it's Paul.
4: It's, it's a, a cage
3: match. <laughs>
1: and Paul's got the claw.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I am freaking excited.
3: Yeah, well, you know, the good news is, is we're supposed to have snow and ice while you're here. So, yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Because I just, you know. <laughs> And you got snowed in this week, didn't you?
4: Yeah, you know I live in uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia, and we got about I don't know ten inches or so. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm bringing those ten inches to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so yeah, I got snowed in. Work closed a couple days this week, and so uh, it was uh, you know I had, I had a little bit of cabin fever because I was sick last weekend too, so I didn't really go anywhere for about a week.
3: But you have you have uh, you know recovered from the Paul Funk right um ish uh-huh
4: i will be fully recovered by the time I, I come to texas
3: okay okay well i have some good news for you um you, know, you yeah. bought another
4: bottle of whiskey
3: <laughs> no well i you know i that we we have decided that uh you know this would be a good time for us to go paleo gluten-free and vegan so uh you know i think it'll- Enjoy the uh, kale that we're serving when you arrive.
4: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'll, um... <laughs> so kale. Uh, if this might be a good time to tell you I'm staying in a hotel, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I contacted Richard, yeah, Richard Drivers' people, and they're just
0: going to let me stay there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> stay with Richard stay with Paul, Richard.
0: That, that would ruin your plans to stop up all of Aaron's toilets.
4: I can still do that. And you know what? If they're going vegetarian, vegan, whatever, they'll do just fine without me. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: So, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to having you in town, Paul. Yeah, so, you you know. I've laid in in supplies. I have picked up Coke Zero. I have picked up Kraken Rum. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I think that I'm ready for Paul.
4: You've done well, Padawan.
3: (laughs) And I've got the warming massage gels. So we're good.
2: Yes. Yes.
4: Well, really, that's all you need. But, you know, just for the folks who don't remember, I will be attending da- – well, Aaron will be with me. <laughs> Unless I, you know, kill him and assume his identity. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In which case, it'll just be Aaron Head, in quotations. Uh-huh. Right. Attending uh, Dallas Sci-Fi Expo next Saturday and Sunday in um, – not sunny, Dallas, Texas. <laughs> um, I'm going to meet Stephen Amell from Green Arrow. Aaron's going to meet the Bionic Woman and the Six Million Dollar Man. Lindsey Wagner and Lee Majors. Very excited. And of course, Judge Dredd will be there. Carl Urban and Peter Weller, RoboCop. And Richard Dreyfus, your roommate. Yeah, my roommate Richard Dreyfus.
3: Richard Dreyfus is staying here with us.
4: Yeah, I mean, and I gave him fifty bucks, and he said I could call him Bob all weekend. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. And uh, Karen Gillan from Doctor Who's going to be there. Now she's grown her hair out. I'll meet her if she's still bald. I'm going to pass.
3: Every time I I hear her name, I keep thinking of Kieran Gillen,
4: you know. If Kieran Gillen were going to be there, I would actually probably be more excited.
3: Yes. (laughs) Uh,
4: But this is at the Irving Convention Center. Um, You know, look out for Aaron and I. We will be the handsome ones. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really excited about it.
3: It's going to be a good time. And, you know, in preparation for your visit, Paul, I decided to go ahead and have
4: internet. Oh, well, that's good because um, otherwise – I would not be happy. <laughs>
1: you know, sure. after- I think speak for all is when I want to say the fuck.
3: Well, you know, after we recorded on uh, Saturday last week, uh, I had uh, the local cable company come out because I had uh, acquired a new TiVo Romeo Plus that I was installing and was having some lines moved around, and so they got here at eleven a.m. on Saturday morning. And left at 8 p.m. Saturday night. And when they left, I had no cable, no internet. And uh, he said to me, "Um, I'll come back tomorrow. And never heard from him on Sunday. So Monday morning I call, and they set me up with an appointment. So uh, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon. I think it was Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I stayed home from work. Same guy comes back out. And he and I wind up getting into an argument because, you know, one of the issues that we were having is we couldn't get an HD signal into the house and we couldn't get a stable Internet connection. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, uh, you know, there's really no way to test that HD signal unless I set you up with a Time Warner uh, cable uh, DVR. And I'm like, nope, don't even bring one in my house. I said, I've got TiVo boxes. I don't need to know how it works with a Time Warner DVR. We're going we're gonna to figure this out on TiVo. And and I said, and why can't you use the uh, the digital box I've got in my office? And he's like, well, that's a TiVo. And I'm like, god damn it! You know, we've been talking about this since Saturday. And I walked him back, and I'm like, that's your box. You know, their their HD box. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize you had that. I said, I need you to listen to me when I'm talking. You need to listen. I'm the fucking customer here. Why don't you leave? <laughs> and he's like, excuse me? I said, yeah, you and I are done. I said, you know, you, you have spent 15 hours on this job, and you haven't been able to figure it out. Please leave my house and send somebody who knows what they're talking about. So he sends supposedly his manager, and his manager comes in, and he says, so what's the problem? So I'm talking about the Internet problem, and I'm talking about my HD problem. And he goes, oh, well, you won't get an HD signal on the TiVo box. And I said, excuse me? he says, yeah, you won't get an HD signal on a TiVo box. And I said, well, you're either an idiot or a liar, and either way I need you to leave. And he's like, said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, I got an HD signal on that TiVo box, and I'm pointing to the one uh, in, in my in my bedroom. I'm like, up until Saturday, until y'all change the wiring around. I said, so, you know, you're either an idiot or you're a liar. Either way, I can't use you. And so that's when I exploded on Twitter about it. And I got to tell you, Twitter is the best way to get customer service because all of a sudden somebody who knew what the fuck they were talking about started talking to me, and uh, we got it fixed yesterday. Blows my mind. And the thing that drives me absolutely crazy about it is Time Warner won't let you install your own cable card. But when uh, I was talking to the guy yesterday morning, um, he said, well, you know, you're going to need a tuning adapter on that new TiVo. And I said, well, your installer said that I didn't, you know, that could just go straight in with the cable card. And he's like, no, he's wrong. You need a tuning adapter. And I said, okay, well, where do I get one? Because, you know, y'all wouldn't let me pick up the cable card. And he goes, well, you can go to the, the Time Warner store. So I go to the Time Warner store. And what do they give me when they give me the fucking tuning adapter? They give me instructions on how to set the whole thing up. And I'm like, you know, the installer probably could have benefited from this.
1: <laughs> and I literally – I
3: got it taken care of with the, the – and they gave me the secret phone number to the cable card help desk, which also blew my mind because the installer didn't have that information. And, I mean, we took care of it yesterday afternoon, and now all my internets work. All my cable works. It just blows my mind.
1: Aaron, I think you're one firm away from being certified in how to do this. I mean, you know, I I, I have a second career. (laughs) And what
3: kills me is that, I mean, I do feel like the Time Warner is motivated to get you out of your relationship with TiVo, you know, because they kept trying to steer me towards the Time Warner box. But yet, on the instructions that they had, they had it broken out on how you do it for each of these different devices. So the installer who came out to my house who didn't have a clue on how to work with a TiVo, you know, despite the fact when I set the appointment up a week in advance of that, you know, I said, this is a TiVo box, so make sure you give them the right equipment. No, no. It just drives me crazy. You know, when I have the plumber out, I don't have to know how to do his job. When I have an electrician out, I don't have to know how to do his job. But every time fucking cable comes out, I've got to know how to do their job. And I'm done being ragey. Well, I, are, I, you, are you Because I was <laughs> enjoying it. <laughs> what would you say, Paul? It's, it's working, though, right? It is working, and I, I, I have good interwebs.
4: And, and, and Playboy TV and HD?
3: Oh, yeah, that's Spice, <laughs> Channel. That's Spice Channel for you hmm.
4: as well, Paul. Spice is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: And I've T-voted uh, Hot and Saucy Pizza Girls for you,
4: Ooh, I do and
3: like uh, <laughs> and Filthy Fuckers, Volume 33, Fuck Me Till I Scream.
4: Ooh, and I so, do like
2: Filthy Fuckers.
3: I know that you do.
4: <laughs> I, I'm waiting for the inevitable crossover,
3: Filthy
0: Pizza Fuckers.
3: <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, what's important about Volume 33 is that there are so many unresolved issues from Volume
0: 32. So, oh, my God,
4: yeah, <laughs> I almost dropped it after that one. I know,
3: right? Right? Yeah, that after that, that, that ending. So. <laughs> that happy ending.
0: <sighs>
3: anyway, internets are are, are are ready. Now now the question is whether or not I'll share with you my encryption key. You know. Or oh, I'll will just give you hold down the reset
4: button on your router and fuck it all up. <laughs> I will have my internet. <laughs> Well, I've got a
3: 300-baud modem for you in the guest room for you, use. So how about that?
2: Hawk.
1: <laughs>
2: That's the ice age of Internet communication. That is pretty sweet right there. When <laughs> yeah. I download this Word document, I'll be back in six hours.
0: Nice. <laughs> Word document, yeah. By word document, you mean porn.
2: Well, actually, I guess back in that day, I meant a word perfect document, but yeah. Uh, And don't get started, I miss word perfect. Me too. Oh,
0: love God. Do you remember those days of dial-up where you're downloading a picture and you're like, come on, please let it be boobs, please let it be boobs, please let it be boobs. Hey, it is boobs. Oh, there's something else in there. Yeah. Ugh. Because yeah. you'd watch while well, the picture would uh, yeah. appear like by line long. by line. Yeah, you had to work
3: I, for your porn back then. It's Tumblr back in those days. I, I also miss DOS. I do miss DOS
2: because I understood how to use it really well. Yeah. Yeah. I,
3: I. I. But you know, anytime I'm doing any significant editing in a Word document, I miss Word Perfect.
2: Yeah, Word Perfect was nice. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I don't miss any of those things, I, and I remember them. all of them. Well, did, but, but Paul, did you miss the announcement about the, the casting announcements this week for Batman versus Superman? I'm not sure you could miss the casting announcements for Batman. Not if you're on Twitter,
4: yeah, or Facebook, or you know, outside your door, or <laughs> <laughs> people hollering down the street. <laughs>
0: so, i, can't, I can't, not
2: a kid ran by, ringing a bell, screaming at the top of his lungs.
1: Eisenberg <laughs> is coming! Eisenberg is coming!
4: <laughs> so, big casting announcement this week. <clears throat> Much like when they announced who was playing Batman in the upcoming Batman vs Superman, uh, they have announced who's playing Lex Luthor, and it's no one that anyone was rumoring about. <clears throat> um, which just seems to go, which just seems to show you that none of the rumors about Batman vs Superman are going to tr- turn out to be true. Um, because shocking everyone, Jesse Eisenberg from Social Network has been cast as Lex Luthor in the upcoming Batman vs Superman movie, and uh, Jeremy Irons, you know, which is not really that shocking or even that appalling, um, has been cast uh, as Alfred. I
3: disagree. Really?
4: Yeah, I, mean, I, I find, I find
3: uh, Eisenberg much less shocking and appalling than Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I got, uh, I, I cannot abide Jeremy Irons.
4: I'm not a huge fan. I will, I, I will admit, I'm not a huge fan. I wish they had gone with, like, a Sam Neill or someone. You know. yeah, there, there are plenty of old British
3: guys. That could Alfred is supposed to be a warm, charismatic character, and I get none of that from Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, I, he's a he's a, a passable bad guy, but he's generally, you know, chewing the scenery so much that I have a hard time enjoying his performances.
0: Yeah, so I'm curious if all of these announcements are supposed to hype people for the movie, because every time they announce something... Oh, I worry more about the movie. Well, you know,
4: I'm not going to lie. The first time I heard Jesse Eisenberg as Lexington, I'm like, really? And then I thought about it, and I think it's a good choice. I uh, I, I actually support the decision. I think it's a choice.
3: I'm not going to say whether it's a good or bad choice. I think it's a, it's a choice, and maybe even it's an interesting choice. But I think Jeremy Irons is just wrong headed. I, I think that's just a spectacularly bad choice.
4: It, it, it's so funny that everyone's complaining about Jesse Eisenberg, and we're harp, and, and you know we're on the Jeremy Irons side of things.
3: I just can't stand that guy. He's weird. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I can't. I honestly cannot think of a performance where I, where I said I really enjoyed Jeremy Irons in that movie.
4: Not the Dungeons and Dragons movie, because that, that was just
1: awesome.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, Certainly uh, not.
4: Wow. Uh, yeah.
1: He had a he had a good he had a good like uh, Law and Order episode I saw once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't
1: he in Die Hard Three? Yes. I didn't
0: know if because when I heard the name, I had no idea who he was. I mean, I when I went out and looked and saw, yeah, I've seen him in a bunch of things, but I didn't know the name.
3: You know, I I I watched The Borgias um, despite Jeremy Irons, Huh. because you know, well. he played the Borgia Pope. But uh, I, I just man, I do not care for that guy. And I just have a heart and maybe they're going a different way with Alfred. Maybe they're going to turn Alfred into something evil and, and, and oily and slick. Um, and if so, great casting. But, uh, you know, if it is the same kind of Alfred that we have known in the past, I just – I think Jeremy Irons is the wrong choice for that. Hmm. Well, and no one has any
4: strong feelings about the Jesse Eisenberg casting? Not me. No.
0: I also have no idea who he is.
2: <laughs> from Zombieland? Come on. Wait, helpful.
0: <laughs> Zombieland, I don't, those, Social Network? I haven't seen Social Network. I do love Zombieland, though.
2: He was in, he's, the, he's the guy the rules. He's the guy running around with Woody Harrelson.
0: That's Lex Luthor? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yep. Wow. That's a horrible yeah. casting choice.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if, if you've seen Social Network, it's actually not a bad one. My problem with it is Jesse Eisenberg, <clears throat> you know, he, he's the same age as Henry Cavill. So that's not really an issue, except that he comes across as more boy genius than man genius. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it depends on you know which way they want to take Lex. You know they might maybe they'll just you know he he was a smart kid and he's young and well and
3: maybe they don't have to be contemporaries. I mean they don't they don't have to have known each other like they did in Smallville or you know the original Superman story, but. Uh, I, it's not a choice that bothers me. I, I think it's an interesting choice, but it's not a choice that bothers it,
0: me. I think he would look like a pretty good Lex with his head shaved.
4: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm actually not opposed to it. I know a lot of people are. I think it's, you know, it, it's age appropriate with Superman, and uh, it's, it's really not a horrible casting decision. Unlike Jeremy Irons' decision. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, unlike Jeremy Irons. Yeah. I'm more worried about Jeremy Irons than I am Jesse Eisenberg. Well, hopefully he won't be in it that much. You know, he'll just be setting bombs around Gotham City while Batman's drinking his tea. Um, I don't know. And <laughs> you know, I, exactly
1: in a five-gallon jug. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, speaking, sticking with Superman this week, Adventures of Superman: uh, The Digital Edition, number forty, came out. Um, Now, I asked you guys to read this one with me because it is a retelling of Batman, um, excuse me, of Superman and Joker's first meeting. It's written by Max Landis, um, son of John Landis, and um, features art by Jock. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to see what you guys thought of it. So, uh, Aaron, Wayne, you guys read it?
2: Loved it. And and Andrew.
4: And Andrew.
3: So, Aaron, you loved it? I did. I loved it.
1: I, I
4: Go
3: ahead. I, I just... I loved the the permutations in the artwork. Um, I loved th- that it was just Joker and Superman talking. And, you know, Joker uh, Superman calling Joker on his shit. I just... I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I also enjoyed that it was not a new
2: 52 story. I, I enjoyed the art quite a bit. But I found the dialogue between the Joker and Superman to be painfully meta <laughs> commentary on both the Joker and on Superman. And I... I found it more to be, their conversation to be more, you know, navel-gazing than anything I found interesting.
0: So I'm going to be the exact opposite of Andrew, and I thought the dialogue was incredible, I, and the story was very well told. I hated the art. <laughs> <laughs> I love
3: the
2: art. I like the art you know, as well.
0: You know, I hate that this art style. I thought it was interesting when they go through and do the, uh, the different versions of Joker and the art. Yeah. And that I thought was interesting, but the regular art throughout it, I didn't care for I, at all.
3: I love the uh, the textures that he employed. You know, it's like he was he was drawing on a textured paper on on different uh, pages. Um, I loved the you know burning orange of the skyline behind Superman and how you know that, that the, the the way he plays with the shadows on Superman. Just I, I, just, I thought Superman looked badass in this thing.
0: I I also thought the art was lazy in a lot of points when there's white backgrounds.
3: See, I... I I, I don't see that at all. I thought he was playing with the uh, with the space really interestingly, and I loved you know how we kind of bounced around the different interpretations of Joker. You know, you got a Dick Spring Joker there. You got a Neil Adams Joker. You've got a Caesar Romero Joker. Uh, you know, you've got you've got a Jack Nicholson Joker. You have got an animated series Joker. You've got the recent Greg Capullo Joker, and even a uh, Heath Ledger Joker. I just I love how all of that changed
2: and worked around it. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It just, you know, him him dissecting, analyzing himself, you know, what type of Joker am I, though? I just, I didn't find that. I, I know about all the different types of Jokers. I don't need the Joker to tell me about all the different type of Jokers. I, it just seems a bit... Um, Overdone. It seems like they were a bit too introspective on the character of the Joker and the character of Superman. So which is a
0: part that's what I I loved about the story was I loved the introspection, just seeing the difference between Superman and Batman here, you know how Batman would have reacted to it versus how Superman reacts to him. And I don't think that's really how Superman. I don't think that's really how
2: Superman would react to the Joker. If, if, if the Joker had really hidden seven bombs across the Metropolis, he'd use super speed and his X-ray vision to find them and defuse them and then go see the Joker. He wouldn't just be there talking to him while he holds a, a button that would kill thousands of people.
0: I actually half expect Superman has already disarmed them all and that we'll find that out in the next issue.
2: Possible. That, that, would, that would improve it for me. Um, yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. But but and then when the Joker's like, you know, he's more jock than goth, he was drawn by Jock. I mean, come on. Oh, It it was very meta. Come on. And
4: I I liked the meta aspect of it. You know, Max Landis is also the writer of the movie Chronicle. Yeah. Which in and of itself is like this meta deconstruction thing.
2: Well, and Max Landis had a really good thing. It was a YouTube video about the history of Superman. I really enjoyed Max Landis' history of Superman, and I enjoyed the commentary in that setting, but I... I don't read comic books for a meta analysis of of two two characters. I read it for story and action and adventure. I, it just it for me, it's it's the wrong setting for it.
3: So, Paul, what'd you think?
2: I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, you know, I it, the
4: art really. You know, the story. I will say the story. You know, I enjoyed the meta aspect of it. I didn't love the story, but I loved the art. I thought the jock art. I loved the way he he played with you know the different aspects of the Joker, or the different characteristics, like you guys said interpretations of the Joker throughout the years. I thought those scenes were fantastic. I love the way he draws Superman. Um, you know, it's, it it is, it is a one scene comic.
2: Yes.
3: Well, and I just, in the way he draws Superman, I just love how, you know, Superman's all cast in shadow. You know, there are times where you just can't, the only thing you can see is the blazing red of his eyes and Mm -hmm. the, the S shield. Um, it reminds me a lot of the way Frank Miller drew Superman in, uh, um, his Dark Knight book. Um, I just I, I I dug it. I thought it was great.
4: Well, it sounds like we're we're a little divided on this one. A little you know, bit. Issue two or issue forty-one, the second part of the storyline comes out next week, um, and I'm definitely going to pick
0: it up. Yeah, I have to say, Adventures of Superman. I get the print version normally, but uh, since you're asking everyone to read, I grabbed the digital of this. This is consistently one of my favorite books each month. I love these out of uh, continuity stories. They're not all great, but. I like giving other writers a chance to take on the character that normally wouldn't. Uh, I had the print issue number nine, which uh, reprints, I think, a couple of issues in the 20s by Christos Gage. And I think he did an incredible job writing a Bizarro story. And there's no there's nowhere else where I can find Christos Gage writing a Superman story. Sure. So I, this series is just an excellent opportunity for people to get a shot at it. And Eduardo Francisco did the art in that issue. And I loved his take on Superman and Bizarro.
4: Yeah, I'll have to check that out. And you know, I was uh, looking. Ron Mars has one coming out in a couple of weeks. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I hopped out for a little while just because it was hard for me to keep up on on the weekly book with all our other readings. But, um, yeah,
0: at first I was buying. At first I was buying the digital and the fi- and the print ones, but I've hopped out of the digital. I'm just getting them as they come out in print.
2: Well, and they're only ninety nine cents a piece digitally. Yes. Yeah, I'll pick up the next one just to see how it wraps up. I'm not oh. necessarily excited about it, but it's only it's only ninety nine cents.
4: True, but we don't care about your opinion because you're not
2: here next week. So, Ooh. Paul, don't don't not hide your pain behind behind Paul, None of us are I here I you're next week. Oh yeah, none of us are. That's a good point too, Wayne. Thank <laughs> no, you. No, no, you'll all be here via the clip show. <laughs> Indeed. The- I know, hey, Aaron, is this the clip show where we're going to have Paul and that April Fool's um, bit on? Is this going to be the time? Possibly. Oh, my God. Don't give him ideas. He's still editing it.
0: You know, considering how often Andrew's uh, gone, I think I need to make an Andrew soundboard and give it to you. (laughs) And then you can just edit in clips from Andrew saying crazy things. (laughs) I will die for my passion.
2: <laughs> I will die for
0: my passions. There we
2: go. Done. <laughs> Aaron uh, Head and Paula Ponte are a beautiful couple. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I wouldn't. That, that's really not hurtful at all. No, it's not. It's just, it's just bizarre. Holy no. crap! There's a ladybug crawling across my desk.
0: It's just true. That's right. Truth is bizarre sometimes. I don't, That's know,
4: very
3: true. I don't know how we transition from that to Batman and Robin annual number two.
4: I, I I don't know, but we just did it. I
3: know, right? So uh Batman and Robin annual number two, uh, by Pete Tomasi, Doug Mankey and a little bit of Patrick Gleason. Uh, we find a way to work Damian Wayne <laughs> into the into the Batman and Robin annual, even though he's been dead a year. Yes. And, and so Bruce Wayne, as he does, uh, is digging around in the secret spaces above, uh, you know, Damian Wayne's bedroom. I don't know what prompted him to go up there, <laughs> but uh, he finds a box hidden up in the, uh, in the attic that says, you know, the Robin Cave, no bats or butlers allowed, with a little box and uh, the box is addressed to Dick Grayson. It says, pay back for Grayson, telling me that long, boring story about his first week as Robin. And so we get to hear about Dick Grayson's first week as Robin. What you think, Paul?
4: Well, Tim, why don't you go first on this one since you didn't talk about the last book?
1: Um, I thought it was a pretty nice story that I paid too much money for.
4: Yeah, so DC released a bunch of annuals this week, and they really need to get out of the habit of releasing so many annuals on the same week because they're five bucks a piece. Um, yeah, so this one was five bucks, and uh, I don't know, you know, I. I so now we're in the new Fifty Two continuity, and in the new Fifty Two continuity, Dick Grayson became Robin at sixteen. Um, you know, which explained you know, so he would be in his early twenties right now, and so, so
3: yeah, yeah, this one.
4: Like well, it's it, Batman's been Batman for six years, not five.
3: Right, but he's but, but this was five years ago is when this was set.
4: Uh, oh yeah, so I guess he would be yeah. He, so he would be twenty one, which you know I'm okay with, but um, I, I don't know how I feel about a six you know about him being sixteen when he started.
3: Yeah, I agree. I that bothered me that you know he was not short pants Robin uh, that he <laughs> straight to the uh, went straight to the long pants.
4: Well, and uh, the same with Jason Todd and Tim Drake, which means the only Robin not in his teens, was Damian Wayne, and he was seven years younger than everyone else. Yeah. Because he was nine. And so, you know, it, it was one thing when Damian was the latest in a series of young Robins, but when he's the only nine-year-old Robin, it kind of, you know, it does something different with his character, I think. Yeah.
3: Well, I, I, it certainly changes the whole Robin experience, and and I don't care for it. That's a change that I, that I disagree with.
4: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Now, that being said, if, you know, if you can overcome that, it's not a bad annual. The art is very pretty. You know, the fact that they put Doug Mankie and um, oh, yeah. Pat Gleason on the same book, I mean, there's not a bad page in this thing.
3: Well, and the great thing about, you know, Mankie and Gleason is that their art styles complement each other very well. And we it stays consistent
4: with the monthly title, which is exactly.
3: Nice. But, you know, one of the, the nice things, and I get the New 52 is all about change, but one of the nice things about Dick Grayson is that he was the Robin – who was full of wonder and joy, right? And he was full of wonder and joy, you know, largely because, you know, you pulled him over as a child, not as a young man. And so, you know, him being 16 years old um, really kind of changes that dynamic, you know? And yet they still, over in the pages of Batman and Forever Evil, they talk about, you know, what a positive, you know, uh, good person Dick Grayson is, and I don't deny that. But I think part of that is because, you know, we, we had that perspective of Dick Grayson because of his origins as a very young superhero, as being the child superhero partnering with Batman. And so I hate that we've lost that in the new 52.
4: I agree. I agree. So, I mean, if but what did you think of the – I mean, was that – I mean, that just took away from your enjoyment of the title entirely. No,
3: I, I, I enjoyed the book. I, I actually did rather enjoy the book. But, I mean, the whole time I'm going, I, I just have a hard time with the fact that his first adventure as Robin is when he was 16 years old. Yeah, yeah it's you know. certainly different. And I, I do think that it changes his track background. You know, I think it is much more tragic for a child, you know, seven, eight, nine years old to lose their parents versus being, you know, 16. Don't get me wrong, still a bad thing. True. Well, uh, and they have,
4: have they
0: established when his parents died? I mean. I just
3: assumed that it was at that time.
0: I don't think they've done, like, set an actual age. But, yeah, he was definitely a teenager at that point. In some of the Nightwing flashbacks we've seen his parents, we've seen that. Around that time.
4: Well, and we haven't talked about it, but DC has a new ongoing coming out called Secret Origin that delves into the new 52 origins of each of their characters, and Nightwing will be in the first issue, so maybe we'll give a little bit more explanation there. But, um, I mean, as far as, you know, a first-week Batman, you know, a Robin story, I thought it was good. You know, I enjoyed seeing Damian Wayne again. Yeah, I know he's been dead for a year, but... You know, Pete Tomasi is one of the few people that can write him correctly. Right. So, you know, you, you get some good Damien moments in this book, which was nice. That's was nice.
1: Is the is the 2 Face story arc over now?
4: No. No, one more issue. Okay. And it's a damn good story arc. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. But I believe the next one is going to be Batman and Wonder Woman, um... Batman and Wonder Woman arc. So it goes from Batman and Two-Face to Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, And they'll be searching for the person who has stolen Damien's remains. So Damien's still very much a a central character in this title. Um, His remains are, anyway. (laughs) So also, um, out this week from DC Comics, we said they released a bunch of annuals. Um, It was Earth 2 Annual 2, which featured the Earth 2 origin of the new Batman. Um, now we talked. I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but DC accidentally leaked in previews who the new Earth Two Batman was. I think and we
3: it, talked about. We either talked about it here. Or we talked about it on uh, Batman with Aaron and Polly. But yeah, we we they, they leaked that it was Thomas Wayne, but didn't tell us exactly how it was Thomas Wayne. I guess.
4: Yeah, and so this issue does that. This issue gives his new 52 origin of how Thomas Wayne survived the fight or the fight, the you know the shooting by Joe Chill. And, um, you know, turns the whole Wayne murder into this larger conspiracy, which other writers have tried to do in the past, but I think they always go back to the random killing because it takes something away from Batman. Yes. To have it just be, you know, to be a conspiracy thing. So, what did you think of this, uh, Aaron? Book of the
3: Week. Book of the Week. I. You know, I, we we talked just a moment ago about how changing up uh, Dick Grayson's age kind of messed up, you know, my perspective of, of the Robin character. I think we, we really lose something. But one of the nice things about a series like Earth 2 is you can turn these things on their head. And so, you know, we knew it was Thomas Wayne just because of the the spoiler that we had gotten on the Internet, but... Um, and I was just kind of assuming that it was it was going to be something not altogether different than Flashpoint, you know, where, uh, you know, maybe maybe we find out that uh, it was just Martha Wayne that was killed and maybe Thomas Wayne grows up, you know, grows up and raises a son, because I didn't know too much about the Earth 2 Batman, you know, what, what his tragic past was. But, you know, we find out in the pages of the book that Bruce Wayne grows up an orphan, uh, thinking that both of his parents had died, but it turns out that Thomas Wayne survived, but had gone into hiding. Uh, because he was being hunted by organized crime. And he was being hunted by organized crime because, you know, he was hanging out with mobsters and, and enjoying the, uh, the lifestyle and hooking them up with drugs. Because, you know, he's, he's uh, Thomas Wayne, you know, respected uh, doctor there in Gotham City, and he's got the good hookup on the drugs. Did, and, did, uh, that, were
4: you at all shocked <laughs> in the panel? where it's him and Martha in the bed with the gay couple. Uh, uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I no, like, no, I mean... Oh. I'm, we, I'm shocked just hearing you guys talk about it. Well, and we completely <laughs> changed
3: the fact that, that Thomas and Martha Wayne are not the, uh, the, <laughs> the Ivy League, you know, uptown... Uh, aristocratic couple that that we have known them as. They you know they, they met at a uh, at a swinger drug party, and uh, you know their romance bloomed from there. And they eventually you know got centered and became good parents and, and whatnot. But uh, they were not the the people that, that we know from our our prior experience. Which again, I would not like that in my new fifty two book, but I think it's great in this Earth two alternate universe
0: book. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Bruce even makes the comment at one point, because this is all almost all flashbacks. Right. He makes the comment that his whole life has been a lie now. Right. And you couldn't do that in a regular Batman book, and I wouldn't want him to do it in a regular Batman book. But as this kind of Elseworlds-type story, that really works. Yeah, no, I
3: thought, it, I thought it was fantastic for this story. And, you know, the, the, we're getting the whole story because Thomas Wayne is telling this story to his new uh, compatriots. You know, you've got Lois Lane uh, as as the Red Tornado robot, and you've got Hawkgirl, and he's letting them know, you know, I just thought you needed to know who you're working with, you know. Um, and I just thought it was great because we see this sordid past that Thomas Wayne has and his redemption sleep you know Thomas Wayne, who you know he became all about vengeance and in becoming all about vengeance, he lost his son he he didn't get to fill that that uh that role of, of raising his boy. Instead, he had, you know, the family butler raise his boy. And, you know, he, he never is able to reconnect with Bruce because Bruce won't forgive him. And so the way he honors Bruce is after Bruce dies, he becomes the Batman. And, of course, the only way being a, you know, a 60-year-old six, plus man uh, to become the Batman, he's got to take the miracle you know, so go. You know, hey, that's why this Batman's a little bit more super than our Batman is. Mm-hmm. And I just I thought it was very enjoyable.
4: Yeah, it's a very <clears throat> because it takes place in Earth Two. It is an extremely good story. Yeah. It's like we both like we all said. It's not something that could work in the regular you know Batman continuity, but as this alternate continuity, especially since Bruce Wayne is dead in Earth Two, it works extremely well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and I have to say I uh, I love some of the artwork in here. I've always, I really have liked the Earth Two Batman costume they have for him. Oh, it's great! And that page near the end where he's standing there in the costume, but the mask is off. Yeah. And shadows are on his face. That really defines that character.
3: And I dig, you know, one of the issues that Bruce had with uh, with Thomas Wayne is that he was taking the Miracle, and he's like, "You're an addict," and so. you know, they said, but but to be Batman, you still need to take this drug, you know, a Red Tornado, Lois Lane asks. And he's like, yes. And she goes, well, does it have a hold o- over you? And he says, yes, it probably does. But I'm 60 years old. I couldn't do this without it, and it doesn't matter anymore. Everyone I love is dead. Uh, you know, and, and he follows that up with, in a big scene, a big, big, big page of him walking away from them, I have no one left to
4: disappoint.
3: Yeah. I just And I was like, boom. I... I Fantastic origin story.
4: You know, Tom Taylor, that guy can write a book. And yeah. uh, this he did a damn good job with Earth 2 Annual too.
3: And it would have, you know, what I, what I love so much about this story is it would have been very easy to just fall back on the Flashpoint story and mm-hmm. just dub that over here. But no, he made it his own thing, and I dug the hell out of this book.
4: He, 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 it's like an Earth 2, it's like Batman as directed by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> star, starring like Robert De Niro in the 80s. Yeah, he just needs you know. the big hats. Yeah, and like Lorraine Bracco or something as, as Martha <laughs> Wayne. You know, I mean, it's just it, the, the you know the, the life he lived, living with right. crime and the sex and the drugs and you know. Now he's an and older people. gentleman, so it's good stuff, really good stuff. Definitely check it out. So, I went to Target this week. Did you? <clears throat> yes, I went. Well, not 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 when it was snowing, but prior to did snow prior to snow.
2: Did, you, did Did you buy some Superman stuff?
4: Um, no, there was no Superman oh. stuff to buy this week. Oh. But they had Superior Spider-Man action figures. Really? Mm-hmm. And not only that, I found out there are two different Superior Spider-Man action figures out now. There is really? a Marvel Select um, available at Target. That's a very fancy action figure. Um, you know, full you know with nice articulation, good sculpting. There is also a Disney Store exclusive Diamond Select Superior Spider-Man action figure that comes with like a little diorama of the defeated Superior Six or whatever, the new Sinister Six from the Superior Spider-Man. Um, you know, both relatively recent, like within the last week or two, have been released. Huh. So, and I mean, you know, we've got two brand-new Superior Spider-Man action figures out there, you know, right near the end of the run. But And did you pick them up? I haven't picked up the Disney Store one, but I will be.
0: I picked up some action figures this week, too. Uh my wife wanted to go to Big Lots. So I went down the toy aisle and all of those Young Justice toys that didn't sell in stores that led to Young Justice being cancelled, they were there for like two figures in a pack for five bucks. Yeah, I picked up some I picked up Ray Ghoul that way, I think. I got uh, I got all three of the boxes, Ray Ghoul with uh oh, I can't remember who was with him. Martian Manhunter with uh Miss Martian and Flash with Kid Flash. Because when you put the three of them together, the parts make uh, Amazo.
4: I think Rachel Gould came with Cheshire, if I remember. Yes, it. that's it. Yeah, they're pretty sweet, and for five bucks, hell yeah.
0: Yeah, and, well, that was the thing. Is like, I saw, I was like, I really wanted the Flash and Kid Flash one, and then I uh, I love the look of Miss Martian, so I was like, well, I wanted the Miss Martian one. Well, why wouldn't I buy al Gould and uh, Cheshire? Because now I have Amazo as well. Yeah.
4: Now, unfortunately, the Superior Spider Man action figure is not quite
0: five dollars.
4: It's really the one at Target was twenty bucks. I'd imagine the one at the Disney Store is probably the same, if not twenty five.
0: I so say the Marvel Select version looks like it's uh, about forty for the one I'm looking at. No, well, not a Target. Yeah, <laughs> the one with the base where he's standing on the defeated characters.
4: Oh yeah. So that's the Diamond Select that's available at the Disney Store. It is a Disney yeah. Store exclusive. So if you have a Disney store near you you can also order it at disneystore.com but um yeah i, I, I I'll pick it up it, it's a it's a nice looking action figure and uh you know it's a limited time run on you know on spider-man of a you know a run that we've relatively enjoyed so it'll be nice to to look back on in a couple of years and remember this run except for superior spider-man issue number 26 I hated the hell out of this issue what did you hate about it Paul yeah I curious hear that too I just, I, you know, I, it, it was just a whole bunch of stuff happening in the issue, but it felt like it felt like so much happened in the issue that like nothing was given any kind of weight. It just kind of all happened. It was just like a, like a checkbox, and it just it really did not succeed for me as an issue. Um, you know, there was Green Goblin and Hobgoblin. You know, let's let's fight. Okay, let's fight. Oh, now I'm the, now I'm the lead. Oh, but it's not really the Hobgoblin, and it's like. I don't know. It just felt like there was a bunch of stuff happened, but, you know, and then there was the Avengers thing, you know, the Avengers confronting superior Spider-Man, like, we want to confront you. And he's like, screw you guys. I'm leaving. You know, like, like there was a whole bunch of buildup and the the payoff to some of the things they had been building up
0: was ineffective for me. See, I enjoyed the issue, but I had some issues with it. Like uh, at this point, I don't think there's any way that's Norman Osborn. And I'm getting sick and tired of the uh, the obscuring who's under the goblin mask.
4: Yeah, I mean that scene where he pulls off his shirt and he's got the concave chest. I'm like, he didn't have that during Dark Rain. I don't think.
0: It's like if that's their proof that it's Norman, take off the mask. I mean, the mask is on because it's not Norman, and we knew that wasn't. You know, I I pretty quickly picked up that that wasn't going to actually be Kingsley under the hobgoblin mask. So. We're seeing two goblins fight, but they continue to obscure who that actually is. If the payoff is that it's Norman, I'm going to be hugely disappointed because it seemed, it's obvious that it's not Norman. Well, it is Osborne.
4: You know, he, he does say, say my name, and he's Osborne. So it's either Harry, because there's one point where he says something about your crazy son or something like that. And I'm wondering if it's
0: Harry Osborne's son. But I don't. Normie think, isn't that old. We've seen Normie in pages recently. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, because he had a babysitter. It is an Osborne, but
4: I have a feeling it's not Harry Osborne. I mean, I'm sorry, it's not Norman Osborne. You know. And then they've got the Peter Parker thing, where you know Otto Octavius has pretty much wiped out ninety percent of Peter Parker's memories, and you know, so you've got Peter Parker like, oh my god, my life sucks. He took out everything. No, I'm Spider Man and I'm strong. And it's you know like it was a whole like this issue was a whole bunch of that. You know like oh, Hobgoblin said, oh, but it's not really Hobgoblin. Oh, well, the Avengers are going to confront Spider-Man, but no, Spider-Man says, screw you, guys. Like, well, I've been frustrated with issue. the whole
0: Avengers thing for a while in this title, where they'll decide, okay, it's time to bring him in, and then they'll have a conversation and do nothing. Yeah, I mean, okay, so- it's time to bring him in again. And it's just, There's no payoff to the Avengers. Yeah. I don't want to see him in a book anymore.
4: Yeah. I mean, how was that a cliffhanger? We have to bring Spider-Man in. And then all they do is confront him and say, hey, you know, uh, we noticed you did some shit. Why'd you do it? Well, because I wanted to. And uh, I quit. I mean, basically, that's all that happens. They don't, like, trap him down. I mean, how many times do they need to confront him to say, you know, you don't really seem like Spider-Man before they say, you're not fucking Spider-Man and tie him to a chair or something.
1: I, you know, I got to disagree. I, I liked the Spider-Man Avengers scene in this, scenes in this book. I liked the conversation. I, th- I thought his justification was pretty pretty spot on. It's like, didn't you guys fight a war to protect each other's identities? You, you know? And I'm doing the same thing and you're giving me shit. I, I loved it. I, I loved that part of it. The, the rest of it, I, I would agree. Like, Peter Parker walking around sad town land was pretty pathetic, but... Um, I got to say, I, I did like the Avengers-Spider-Man scene.
4: I think I would have liked any of these stories had there not been all three of them in the same issue. I think because they tried to jam so much into the issue, everything felt too
0: rushed. Well, well it, I, I really like the Kingsley uh, Hobgoblin. I always have. And I it's interesting to me that he's gone back to using the Winkler process to uh, basically to send people out as him. But I don't know. It just seemed... He, okay, he's going underground. I didn't get the payoff to the goblin fight really, because it wasn't really him. What were you saying, Aaron?
3: It just felt—it felt like there was a lot in it, but it didn't seem like it was driving anywhere. I felt like this was just a placeholder to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, I guess I object to is that while you you had a bunch of bunch of scenes. I just didn't feel like enough happened. So while I enjoyed the the dialogue between the Avengers and Spider-Man, I felt like something actually needed to happen there beyond I fucking quit. You know, the yeah. Avengers called him in because, you know, they, they felt like something goofy was going on, but they don't do anything about it.
1: One
0: thing I did enjoy about the Avengers was when they show up and say they'd like to have a word with him, and he makes his comment about being busy that they just, you know, one page full of them attacking, and all the bad guys are wiped out. It's like, okay, now you're free.
4: Yeah, well, and you know, so this was a prequel to Goblin Nation, so I get that you know the big story beats weren't going to happen here, but it just, it just well, spending. A- I don't know
3: why we needed the prequel to Goblin Nation though. Why couldn't we just either have Goblin Nation or have a standalone story? Why does it got to be a prequel to it? Why can't know?
0: we have had Goblin Nation like two, three months ago. They have dragged out the story way too long.
3: Well, I, you know, I don't – I feel like Dan Slott gives us a lot in these pages, and I, and I think the reason why we're reacting the way we are is that this this book was different from his other books in which a lot didn't happen. They show us a lot, but not a lot's happening. It's like, you know, pick up the next issue where shit will actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not, that's not typically what Dan Slott gives us in the pages of Superior Spider-Man. I mean, we've gotten more story out of Superior Spider-Man than I think we've gotten out of any other uh, comic over the last two years. You know, I mean, there's, so much has happened, and sure, double shipping is part of that, but – he moves the story along. A, a lot of places where uh, Dan, where, where Dan Slot is moving fast, other writers would take two, three, four issues to, to take care of, and he'll do it in one or two, you know? Um, so I, I think the reason why it bugs us is that not a lot happened here.
4: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Now, I will say I picked up Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, number nine, because it had uh, Daredevil and Punisher in it, and I think it came out last week, um, and it's a Goblin Nation tie-in. And, and something pretty important happens in it. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they reveal that, you know, the Goblin Nation has infiltrated Spider-Island, so all of Spider-Man's m- minions are actually working for Green Goblin, and they turn on it. And that's a that's a pretty big thing to happen, you know, not in the pages of Spider-Man. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was a good issue. I would actually recommend picking it up, especially if you like that, you know, Punisher Daredevil uh, Spider-Man team-up stuff. And which, which which issue was it? I believe it's issue nine. It came out last uh, week. I'll check that out.
3: You know, I, I accidentally bought uh, accidentally. Superior Foes of, of, of Spider-Man or the Foes of Superior Spider-Man, whatever the hell that book is. Yeah. Because I thought it was Superior Spider-Man one week, and that was fantastic.
0: I I'm it's a really got Yeah, I've been hearing really good things about it. I picked up the first issue, and I thought it was interesting, but the first issue didn't catch me enough to keep getting it. But I hear it it just got incredible after that.
3: Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the story I read. And I was like, well, now i got to go back and read all of these things. Luckily, I mean, it's only
4: a couple issues. It's not too well,
3: far ahead. And
0: I know, uh, like, Tombstone was in it at one point. And
3: yeah, that was they, the story I read was uh, uh, His Daughter. Uh, yep,
0: the, His Daughter is the New Beetle.
3: Yeah, and it was fantastic. Yeah, you know, I, I got past my initial dismay of crap. I, I got suckered into buying this damn book, and... Uh, you know, it wound up actually being pretty darn good, so it was a, it was a nice surprise.
4: Did you see that there's a new Spider Man graphic novel coming out?
3: I did not see that, Paul.
4: It's on the uh, the coming soon page of uh, Superior Spider Man Amazing Spider Man Family Business Original Graphic Novel by Mark Wade, um, Someone Robinson, and Gabriel Del Oto. Yeah,
3: yeah I think that's a good guy. I, I don't much care for him. Flash in the pan.
4: <laughs> He's right
3: Wayne. Wow, you know you're baiting Wayne today. You know you're trolling the guy, and he's not—he's not biting on it. What I, I think—I think—I think he has me muted or something. Yeah, or maybe he's <laughs> fallen under something heavy. Ooh. Maybe Wayne struck oh, out.
2: Maybe DJ Kitty—he's trying to keep DJ Kitty away from the soundboard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I—I I just don't take stock from someone who won't be here for the next few weeks. <laughs>
2: Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Nicely done. Well played. Dead to me, Dead
3: to me is what he's saying. Now,
0: the art in the uh, the original graphic novel that's coming out is absolutely incredible.
4: Who is I'm... it, Roberto Ramos? <laughs>
0: no, no, it wow. is not.
1: He is trying.
0: <laughs> Andrew is
1: <laughs> like, I'm going to push every button. Andrew <laughs> doubled down right there. That was great.
4: <laughs> so, <clears throat> I put something in our outline. It says, The Self-Fulfilling Prophecy of Marvel Movies. I don't see that in my eye. Oh, there it is.
3: Yeah, look at that. Yeah. It's in the outline. I see that. I what should happens. probably read these sometimes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about next? Oh, I'll just wait and see. <laughs> well, you're, that way I'm always surprised. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was looking at Twitter this week, and it got me thinking about something. Because, you know, remember you know Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner? were in Daredevil years ago and now they're husband and wife with multiple kids. You know, Daredevil and Electra got married and had kids, basically. Yes. So there was like a self-fulfilling prophecy there. So, <clears throat> I've noticed on Twitter, like every holiday, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen Post a picture together. It's like, oh, it's Christmas. Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen are are opening gifts together. Or oh, it's New Year's. Look, they're drinking wine or champagne together. Oh, look, they're in the tub together. You know, like uh, Super Bowls. Wait, coming wait, wait, what? No. In the tub <laughs> I think there probably is something like that, but, um, you know, Oh, Ian McKellen, maybe is, I should follow them on Twitter. <laughs> is officiating Patrick Stewart's wedding. Right. Um, you know, Ian McKellen, like this, the other day they posted a picture of them, you know, one's wearing uh, a Broncos Jersey and the other one's wearing, um, did you the, ever a, Bruins yeah. a Bruins Jersey, yeah. Yeah. Seahawks. 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 <laughs> <Not> <laughs> a Bruins Jersey, Seahawks. Seahawks. <laughs> a Bruins
3: Jersey. One's
4: wearing a Seahawks Jersey. One's wearing a Broncos Jersey. You know, it's like, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are going to watch the
2: Super Bowl together. And, no, you know, no, no, no. They... <laughs> no, what it was is it says it says time for football, and that it's awesome because Patrick Stewart's holding a soccer ball in his hand.
4: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's you know it's done. Uh, I love you, that. But they're you know they're, they they post pictures together like all the time because I guess they become like best friends.
3: Yeah, they're they're huge buddies. Yeah, but
4: uh, you know, given the self fulfilling prophecy of these Marvel movies, do we think that at some point they're going to have a disagreement and Patrick Stewart's going to end up in a wheelchair?
3: I think that's exactly what's going to happen,
4: and they're going to become bitter, bitter they enemies over some
3: ideology. I think that you can extrapolate that that as to a metaphor for our relationship, Paul. Because at some time you'll be my most hated enemy.
4: Do I get to be the Magneto in this relationship? No, I'm afraid not. What? <laughs> you're going to be the paraplegic.
2: <laughs> I don't like this.
3: And nobody, nobody wants to be a paraplegic, Paul, but I'm afraid that you're that guy.
4: Me and Patrick Stewart, we're going to yeah. be hanging out in our wheelchairs playing basketball. That's right. What
2: happened to this discussion?
4: What is going on here? We'll, we'll be at Fear of the con, walking
3: up the stairs into the con, and you won't be able to go up because it's not ADA compliant. It is. No, so they do. It is
1: 88 They have a ramp. But no,
3: no, there, there'll be no ramp for, for
0: Paul.
1: For Paul. <laughs> yeah. For Paul. We, <laughs> we, we will make possible. sure
0: there is a ramp for Paul.
1: There will be no ramp for Paul. <laughs> is that because I, the Paul eats this money to be <laughs> eaten first in the zombie game?
2: <laughs> hey, Aaron, Aaron, are you saying that Paul, the ramp, the Paul the ramp is not going to be available to Paul because of his
1: ethnicity? Is that what you're saying?
3: That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> we
1: make that the show title, No Ramps for Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to do the show art for that. It's
3: my hated enemy, Paul Aponte. This is where the the, the 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 podcast splits down the center. People will have to make a choice. Are you team Paul or are you team Aaron?
2: So I'm team uh, Aaron. Can I, be like one of those, can I be like one of those guys who flip-flops halfway through the story? <laughs> <up>? <laughs> yeah, but, so so uh, I think that's what's uh, going to happen I, between I, those
0: two. My wife yesterday, Aaron, asked a question that uh, you'll find amusing. It's like, so are you going to do horrible things to Aaron since he made you a double amputee in his zombie game? <laughs> and you said yes, of course.
3: Oh, you know, I've, I've, I've thought poorly about this because if Wayne's in my zombie game, that's slot three. to be in his Ghostbusters game in slot five, this was
4: poor
0: decision on my part. <laughs> huh. Huh. <laughs> when, when you make a prequel character, just remember that. <laughs>
2: I'm really looking forward to that Ghostbusters game. Even more than I was earlier today, I'm now really looking forward to that. Ghostbusters game. I don't even know how to transition back to comics. Here, i do Here you go. Thor. Let's talk about Thor. So, uh, Tim,
3: we did not get to chat about uh, Thor God of Thunder number 17, which uh, wrapped up the Malekith uh, storyline uh, mm-hmm. that we had had been enjoying, where we had the you know League of Realms, you know the you know, marching into Spart Alfheim to to take care of this whole Malekith situation. So, as, as one does, as one does, yes. Right. Um, and so, before we hop into Thor: God of Thunder number eighteen, let's talk a little
1: bit about how that wrapped up. What did you think of that storyline? Um. Well, let's let's start off by saying that after Godbomb. I think it'd be very hard to keep to keep the same bar, uh-huh. and so uh, there was a lot of things I liked about the Malakite storyline. I like the the League of Worlds or whatever Thor was running around with, mm-hmm. and I uh, you know I I, I like the ending. I, I loved how the Dark Elf solved the problem. Malakite's killing people because he's not in charge. Spoiler: Malakite's in charge now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I did too. I and you know I thought that it was. Very well written. I liked the the characters in the story. Um, I liked the twists and turns. I mean, there were moments where like, well, you know, Thor is really acting out of character. But, you know, uh, maybe this is what's going on. And then you find out that it's not what's going on. And so, I mean, I enjoyed those twists and turns. And, you know, you, you found yourself asking those kinds of character questions. Um, I liked the not-so-veiled uh, uh, riff on The Lord of the Rings. You know, I mean, I, I get that, and, and and I dug it. What I really hated about the book is that um, the I felt like the artwork started pretty strong, and wow, they barely made it across the finish line. I mean, yeah. I, I thought that that particularly in the final issue of that of that series or that that story arc, the artwork just went way off the rails, and I, I was like, man, you know, like on uh, the God Bomb and God Butcher stories and in, in uh, God of Thunder. I, you know, I, I want to have those in hardback. I mean, I thought those were beautifully done, and I started off feeling the same way about this story, but the the artwork ended so poorly, I don't, I don't want it on my shelf. You know? I,
1: was, I was a little sad that he didn't kill that troll. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping that Malekith had, had had ticked him off so much that he finally snapped and just went Viking. Right. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Well, like, and, he, and he's a dirty troll, so right or wrong, had it coming. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a troll. I mean, it, yeah. that's a freebie. Yeah, fuck that guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when, when it was revealed that he didn't do that, that that was all part of ho- tricking Malekith, I'm like, okay, well played, but... I'm I'm suddenly you know a little sad that he wasn't that in emotionally invested that he lost his he lost his marbles a little right. bit.
0: Right. So okay. speaking of uh, Thor, Tim, are you going to pick up Loki, Agent of Asgard, next week? No. Nope. I have no interest in that. <laughs> That's disappointing. So actually, I'm going to get it. I uh, I think the I wasn't planning on it, but the preview in that uh, the Marvel Now stuff was really good.
3: I'll pick it up. Wait. So, uh, moving on to Thor, God of Thunder, uh, number eighteen. What you think of that, Tim?
1: Uh, man! If you thought the art in the last one was bad, yeah, I, uh, I got news for you. It's a little worse here. Yeah, and you know, again, wanted to
3: like it. <laughs> you know, I think I thought the writing was a lot of fun. But, oh yeah, but I was one of the worst drawn dragons I've ever seen. If if a
1: if a dragon humped Free Willy, yes, that's that's what you get right there. Yeah, it
3: was weird. It was it it did very much look like a cross between a killer whale well and some kind of dragon. Um, it was odd. You know?
1: Thor Thor looked like he was wearing spaghetti hair for uh-huh.
3: half the book. Yeah, he had rasta hair.
1: Really careful. <laughs> nope. I. There was like I said, I, I agree with you there were good there are good story elements to it, but I think the art just just made it fall flat for yeah,
3: me. I mean, there were moments that I just really wanted to enjoy, like you know, uh, I dug the fact you know Thor has always got his daddy issues, you know, and it was nice to see that the dragon had daddy issues as well <laughs> and, uh, um, and then there's that scene where you know the dragon gets all drunk, and uh has, you know, been dancing with one of the village women. And, you know, he's, he's got her in his hand and he's like, uh, he's like, you know, no one's getting harmed old friend. We're just having fun as all, just as we did before. And he's like, right. Gudrid, Gudrid, wake up. I keep shaking her, but she won't wake up. <laughs> and then he just takes a bite out of her. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, the writing was fantastic, and I could see where they were going, but the artwork really uh, hindered achieving what they were trying to achieve. And I just hate that that they're not getting you know some of the top notch artists to work on God of Thunder because it's such a good book. And I, I really think feel like they're screwing Jason Aaron's over because you know he's doing the work. Well, Aesop Ribic is coming back to the title. That fucking time? Where the hell's he been? Um.
2: God damn it! I think I need a
3: fucking explanation.
1: He had a, ba- he had a baby. He was taking fentanyl. Um, he has Texas Time Warner Cable. he ah, no. no. <laughs> couldn't upload his pages. That's right. That's right. He had no interwebs. You can't get high definition. It's your box, dude. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, are you guys
2: uh, afraid that the art's going to kill this title off? I think that's a. I, I don't have
3: any idea what the sales are in this book, but I, you know, if if they were to keep rolling out the the kind of crap that they have been, I will I'll drop it. And by crap, you mean crap art? Yes, yeah, because yes. I mean, the writing is fantastic. I just the the artwork's not there to support the the fantastic art. Right. Well, you know what, you know what, comic has really good art.
2: Art. What's that? Atomic Robo. At- uh, I love the art in Atomic Robo, guys.
3: Tell me about Atomic Robo and the Savage Sword of Doctor Dinosaur.
2: Sure. So this is Volume Eight, you know, in the uh, Atomic Robo series, um, you know, written by Brian Clevenger and drawn by Scott Wegner. Um, and Paul, you read this with too, as well, as well, right? I did. I did. Um, now,
4: before, before we go into the thing, I do want to preface that you know they announced on their their uh, webpage that this was one of the lowest ordered volumes of Atomic Robo, if not the lowest, which was shocking to me because it's the savage sort of Dr. Dinosaur.
2: Yes. Uh, And how could you not want to... Who doesn't love Dr. Dinosaur? Well,
4: I, I do know that we didn't get preview copies of this run either, so we couldn't do, you know reviews and stuff like that. So, I mean, we did, you know, we did purchase it issue by issue because, I mean, we're robo fans, so I was, you know, but typically what I do is I read the press copies and then I buy the trade paperback.
2: Right. But, you know, I was excited about this one. So what would you think, Andrew? Well, at first, I'd have to say Volume 8 has a distinctly different tone and pacing than the previous seven volumes of Atomic Robo. Typically, my impression is, experience, is that the other volumes have been kind of, uh, they, they've had a general storyline to most of them after Volume 1, but they're, they're kind of fun and light and, and you know, don't have a driving overall dramatic plot going to them. So in this one, it starts off with with just horrible things happening to the main kind of Tesladyne Industries base and corporation, and things just keep getting horrible, while at the other time you have Atomic Robo and a separate storyline dealing with Dr. Dinosaur. So I found... I found kind of the more grim storyline with Tesladyne was kind of kind of shocking. What what did you think?
4: Yeah, it's um. So it, it is very much their most serious storyline, and that's you know the, the United States. You know, because of an incident that has happened with Tesladyne that they've referred to as eight eleven. Um. Or you know, so the
2: or the Hashima incident.
4: Or the Hashima incident. You know, an accidental incident. Um. You know, caused by tesladine industries uh, carelessness. Um, basically the United Nations wants to take down Tesla dime well
2: sort of sort of so so th- w- what it is is and the thing is, is that you get a lot of this from reading like the, the TV will be on the background you'll hear these news clips about what's going on in the greater world so you're kind of piecing pieces together they don't lay out the story you don't see what happens at the Hishima incident on page you just get this all from other people's perspectives on it but you know, there was apparently Atomic Robo had been stealing nuclear weapons from both the Soviets and the Americans for 50 years. I don't know if that's true, but that's the storyline that, that you know, kind of the public opinion's going with. And it was discovered on this island called Hishima, and there's still six nuclear weapons missing. And so, obviously, a lot of people think that Tesladyne might have them. And, and the United States investigated and, um, you know, then dropped their investigation of Tesladyne. But it's kind of provided, it's, it's created vulnerability for factions not friendly to Tesladyne and Atomic Robo to to be able to act out against them in this kind of period of confusion and, and anger and, and uncertainty.
4: And so, and someone does, you know, and so there's... Oh, my God, it's awesome. Yeah, so there was an assault on Tesladyne, um, in like, in a, simultaneously with, uh, you know, Robo and some action scientists trapped in this, you know, Middle Earth, not Middle Earth, but more like Ho- Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth, Hollow Earth. Um, um, you know, where Doctor Dinosaur is, you know, creating a time bomb. And,
2: yeah, I mean, it, 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 the Doctor Dinosaur Ast- story is very much in character with with all the previous uh, Robo stories. You know, it's got such great lines as "Your face is encrypted." <laughs> it's it's, but, it's it's a good. St- I mean, it's I would say out of all the
4: Atomic Robos, it is the most tightly plotted.
2: It's um, it, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, Bernie the geologist has a great storyline running through it, and um, it's 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 really it's a lot of fun, a lot of good. But I'm concerned about what's going on in the real world with Tesla dime while Robo's away. Yeah, well, and you know one of the things that's revealed at the ending
4: spoilers on. Um, you know, no. no, you're not gonna spoil it. You're gonna spoil this. Okay, it, I will just say it ends on a cliffhanger. Two cliffhangers. Two cliffhangers. Um. So, Both you know, storylines in on a cliffhanger. Which is the first time they've done that in an Atomic Robo series.
2: Yeah, usually it's wrapped up, you know, there's a bow on it, and you just move on to the next volume. But it's a
4: damn good book. Um, okay. I really, really enjoyed it. You know, they've given Dr. Dinosaur short stories before, but this is the first time they've given him an actual miniseries, and it worked really well. So, I mean, the entire thing is out now. Um you know, available digitally and at comic shops. The, uh, the trade paperback, I don't think, is out yet. I, you know, the last mm-hmm. issue just came out. But, yes. Um, no, definitely recommend ch- checking it out Atomic Robo and the Savage Sword of Dr. Dinosaur.
3: Well, all this Atomic Robo talk is making me want to play some Atomic Robo RPG. What?
1: Man, I am, I am so glad that you're still on the phone, Aaron, because I, when I heard the phone ring, I thought that was Time Warner Cable asking if you wanted to take the survey. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron's going to be busy.
3: <laughs> it would be great if they'd call me for a survey. I'd
1: like to complete that.
4: <laughs> so, like Aaron was saying, it would be that we will get our opportunity to play Atomic Robo, the RPG, at the upcoming Fear the Con in St. Louis, Missouri, um, on June 13th through 14th, 2014.
3: Very exciting. Andrew is running yet another Atomic Ro- atomic Robo RPG session. If you have not listened to uh, the uh, last year's session that, that he ran, you're missing out. It's a fantastic actual play.
4: Yeah, we can, and it's on um, ideologyofmadness.com. There's a, a button that says Ideology of Madness Actual Play. If you click that button, it'll take you right to it. Yeah. Um, great listen. You know, we've got uh, we've actually gotten uh, Brian Clevenger and Scott Wegner uh, to listen to it, and they, they both have enjoyed it.
3: Yeah. And you know, someday soon, hopefully, the actual role playing game is supposed to come out. I believe it's supposed to come out prior to Gen Con.
4: Well, you know what I've noticed is their website is down right now. Yeah. And uh, AtomicRobo.com is down right now, and it says that there's an announcement coming in. I think two days, maybe even at the time of uh, the release of this episode.
3: Uh, I, I can't wait for the actual – I mean, we've been using the beta rules, and those are great and all, but I can't wait for the actual product
4: to release. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, they've, they've, they've um, you know uh, they've had a lot of beta testing, and some folks have created Ninja Turtle games, Ghostbusters games with it. Um, but I'm really excited about Andrew running another game, um, Atomic Robo uh, RPG Rules, Tesladyne Team 8 Year 2. So it is a, uh, a sequel to last year's game
3: woohoo and you know we're getting to play in another sequel where uh, uh, Thistledown Johns running his second year of his chill game. I'm terribly excited about this
4: yeah so last year we played in the curse of Kantuk which is also available uh actual play online yep and uh, you know this year the Silver Creek horror
0: whoo I'm
4: excited, Ooh. and Aaron's going to be running, of course, another year of his And A Little Child Shall Eat Them.
0: You can listen to yeah. last year's on the website. Yeah. So, Aaron, is this year going to start with a prequel as well?
3: You know, I'm not tipping my hand just yet, but uh, let me just say that there will be all kinds of uh, zombie excitement and, uh, you know, child eating. Not, uh, you know, people eating children, but children eating people.
0: So, uh, I, I am looking forward to seeing how you screw me over this year. You know, Wayne, I would
3: never do that.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I would never do that. What I what I will do is I'll provide
3: you an opportunity, just as I did last year. How about that?
1: <laughs> we'll see how things go. Yeah.
4: Um, Wayne is going to be running a Ghostbusters game, running uh, using the uh, Ghostbusters FAFSA rules, if I remember correctly. Yep. And, Aaron, you're going to be running uh, This Empire Ar- Earth? Yes, I'm going to run a uh,
3: session of This Empire Earth on uh, Saturday morning of the con.
4: Maybe we should, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, post a link to Fear the Con on uh, on IdeologyOfMadness.com. But you can go to FearTheCon.com, the Con.com, and uh, you know, it is two gay two gays, two Whoa. gays, <laughs>
3: two gays of gaming, the gayest <laughs> days in gaming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a Patrick Stewart-Ian McCown picture. Exactly. <laughs> Paul,
0: I, I think you're a little confused about Fear the Con and what's happening this next weekend.
3: <laughs> hey, that's that's not that's not gay. That, and there's no fear two, there. That's just two guys having great sex.
4: There's a lot of fear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, Fear the Con in June. Um, really excited about it. Two days of straight gaming. Um, and the Not entire gaming. idea. Straight gaming? Just. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean it that way. Um, the entire Funny Books crew. Will it's be. two days of gaming. <laughs> However you want to deal with it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh,
4: there, there, there's your promotion link. There you go. Um, you know, we've also got. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to let folks know is if you're a fan of Knights of Rainsboro... We do have um, our sister site rainsborough.com. and uh, you know they are. We are actually dropping the Fear the Con five. Um, Rainsboro games have actually been re- releasing on that website. You know, it's we are releasing Rainsboro from the beginning <coughs> in order. And we just dropped Ghost of Rainsboro this last week, and for the Fear the Con games, I've actually been um, putting the character sheets and the adventure documents and stuff like that out there. So, you, you know, there, there are a lot of bonus things out there, a lot of character art and downloads, um, so definitely check that out, especially, you know, um, if you like to run your own Rainsboro game at home, you know, the character sheets and stuff out there are there for you to do it. And Aaron, you, sir, are supposed to be guest-starring on another podcast, I hear.
3: Yeah, I'm guest-hosting over at uh, the Miskatonic University podcast, with Pods, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't ever want to hear you guys complain again about how early we record this podcast. We record this podcast at 8 o'clock on Saturday mornings. It's so early. It's so early, Aaron. I'm recording tomorrow at 5 a.m. Central with uh, my good friends over at Miskatonic uh,
0: University. Just because because they've (laughs) lost enough sanity to record that early, (laughs) doesn't mean we can't complain about how early we record, too. i
1: don't want to hear Uh, it. Uh, no, no, you're going to hear it now. <laughs> <laughs> the Thursday, you're going to get up for a bunch of clowns that you barely know at 5 a.m., but you couldn't go to a Starbucks and, and run us on Thursday? Is that what I'm hearing? That is correct. That is that is correct. That hurts my balls.
3: What Tim's alluding to is that my uh, absence of interwebs this week uh, killed our uh, Season 3 recording of uh, Knights of Rainsborough on Thursday
2: night. Yeah. Uh, so. There was a great disturbance at the fort. Yeah, really. Why I got well, that email came rage. out. Rage. Great disturbance. Yeah, but seriously, Mark. I mean, your buddy Pope. Um, uh-huh. shoot. Uh, he lives not that far from you. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You couldn't go to his house and podcast from there. He doesn't have Wi-Fi. I'm sure he did. You know, I. That's probably
3: what I should have done. Is I should should have just said, "Hey, give me the link to your Wi-Fi. I'll set up my car."
2: Or how about the other guy who you do three beers of scotch with? That's, that's also okay. that's also Mark. Oh, that's also- <laughs> there's a third guy. Isn't there a third guy? Well, I mean, we true. have random guys who rotate oh. in and out. Such as me. Guys, guys, such guys as you, you find <laughs> at the liquor store that you just pull in like, oh, I
1: see you're drinking scotch. Come with me to my house. I'm a cold 45. I can talk about beer. Well, isn't there,
0: is there, isn't there wireless at El Chico
1: Locus?
3: <laughs> there is no wireless at Chicas Locus.
1: <laughs> it's all wireless. Guys, no, there's, no there's only Zool. Yeah,
2: so I'm just saying. I'm saying from from a systems perspective, it seems like there are alternatives available.
3: Well, and Paul will be guesting on the next episode of Three Beers and a Scotch. We're recording that when he's in town this week. Indeed. Is,
2: is Paul also going to guest host on the next episode of Miskatonic University? Um,
3: I don't. I don't believe Paul is joining me tomorrow morning at five. Paul, did you want to join me tomorrow morning at
4: five? Nope, they didn't invite me. Fuck that. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Those guys have said really nice things about Ghosts of Rainsboro, and so uh, I have nothing negative to say about them. Um, I'm glad you didn't invite me, though, because I ain't waking up at uh, 5. Well, it would be 6 o'clock my time, but I'm still not waking up. How about that?
3: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it's whew, it's going to be rough. I mean, I, the, the wife is talking about me sleeping in the guest room. <laughs> so yeah. wake, her nice.
4: get... wake me up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you are uh, picking up comics next week, in Comic Shops, Infinity hardcover comes out, collecting the entire Infinity event, um, including the Infinity, New Avengers, and Avengers crossovers. Uh, it is a nice, big, exercise hardcover coming out from Marvel Comics.
3: I'm going to need some of that.
4: Yeah, me too. Um, Loki, Agent of Asgard number one, is coming out, like uh, Wayne previously mentioned. Um, the new Punisher number one is coming out. Uh, so, you know, uh, the, yet another Punisher volume, but, you know, could be good. Um, Wolverine number one The newest Wolverine volume written by Paul Cornell With art by Ryan Stegman Is coming out as well They are promising big changes for that issue uh, From DC Comics, Action Comics number 28 The newest uh, issue of the Greg Pack er- Aaron Cooter arc That we've been enjoying comes out um, The next issue of Gothopia Detective Comics 28 is coming out as well um, Newest issue of Forever Evil Number 5 and Forever Evil Arkham War Number 5 come out next week Also from DC Comics and, uh, you know, a ton of other stuff from the non-DC folks as well. But we are going to be at Dallas Sci-Fi Expo. Yeah, yeah. That's where we're going to be. Partying like it's 1999, because that's the last time some
0: of these people were on TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not nice. Hey. <laughs> Actually, that's generous for some of them. That's true. Hey,
2: hey, Lee Majors is amazing no matter how old he is. Um, Lee Majors is
3: amazing, Yeah, as is Lindsay Wagner. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. <laughs> I was really I was really excited when Aaron said he was gonna meet Steve Austin until I realized he was talking about the other Steve Austin.
3: <laughs> the six million dollar man.
1: Which doesn't they, seem they, nearly as expensive as it used to. No. Yeah. No, that's that's pocket change anymore. If anyone thinks Aaron Head should see the real Steve Austin, give me a hell yeah.
3: Hell
2: yeah. Hell yeah.
1: I Here am the
3: real Steve Austin. What are you talking about?
2: Damn Stone it. Cold Steve Austin. That's his actual honest-to-God name, not something he has for a TV show. <laughs> that's a honest-to-God name,
1: Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's right.
0: It's on his podcast name, too. He's a
1: podcast. I'd make that at 5 a.m. for Steve Austin.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. That's right, Paul. He does podcasts.
1: And I bet well, he gets more downloads than we do. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: He has sponsors so he gets paid for it. What oh my gosh.
2: What the hell? What, what about <laughs> he has business cards too?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good week. You guys are ready. No ram for Paul.
3: Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.